Hello, and welcome to the Logistics Management Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Berman. I'm Group News Editor for Logistics Management Magazine and the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group. Today, it's a real pleasure to welcome Lee Clasco to our podcast. Lee is a Senior Global Transportation and Logistics Analyst and also Sector Head for Bloomberg Intelligence, a division of Bloomberg LP. Lee has been analyzing the freight markets for decision makers going back to 2006. His current coverage spans global marine shipping, air freight, and logistics sectors, as well as the North American trucking and railroad industries. In addition to his industry work, Lee provides coverage on 21 freight transportation and logistics companies. He's focused on providing differentiated research through channel checks and collaborating with colleagues in adjacent industries. Lee's an articulate public speaker and frequent contributor on Bloomberg television and radio, as well as other media outlets. He also speaks at India industry conferences, as well as company and academic events. Prior to joining Bloomberg, where he was, Lee was a senior analyst at Longbow Research and Prudential Equity Group, where he covered freight, transportation, and logistics companies. He was ranked four stars by StarMind for EPS accuracy and recommendation performance prior to joining Bloomberg. Lee earned his Bachelor of Science degree in Finance and Management from Ithaca College and holds a Master's in Business from Fordham University. Lee, welcome to our podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Really appreciate it. And, and I guess next time I should have my elongated uh, bio for you. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, well, no, it, it, it is great to have you. Um, and uh, the timing is good, Lee. There's obviously a ton of stuff cooking within the sectors that we both follow and, and uh, cover. Um, when we started a top level, Lee, and that just has to do with sort of the overall freight economy. When we look at what's happening, it's obviously been a wild ride uh, going back to the onset of the pandemic back in March 2020. But we are seeing some some signs of uh, more normalcy um, afoot here. So when we look at the freight economy, it, you know, that's an all encompassing question that could probably take up all of our time. But when we look at it through the lens of the shipper, the things that are important that they're keeping an eye on, whether it's inflation, gas prices, uh, retail sales output, things like that. I'll, I'll hand the mic to you and we can go from there. Okay, great, Jeff. Well, I mean, so I cover pretty much all modes of transportation as it relates to freight. So, you know, ocean, air, road, rail. And, you know, we, we're, we're pretty lucky at Bloomberg. We have a lot of data at our fingertips on the Bloomberg terminal. And right. kind of reading, reading all the tea leaves that we see, you know, what we see is an economy that's moderating, a consumer that is, I'm not going to say they're weakening, but they're being more selective on what they spend their money on and households that have pretty good balance sheets relative to where they were prior to uh, when the pandemic uh, started. Uh, but the reality is, is we have tough comparisons from last year. We also have, you know, moderating economic growth. And then we also have inflationary pressures, and that's just increasing the probability of an inflation uh, of a sorry of a, of a recession next year. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, con a consensus estimates on at least on the Bloomberg terminal put that probability of around sixty three percent that the U.S. economy is going to go into a recession over the next twelve months, and you know that has up considerably uh, over the last um, you know three to six months. Uh, where, where people are getting a little more pessimistic. And, you know, we're seeing it in retail sales. You know, they've been disappointing uh, 
at least some retailers have, have, have shown some disappointing sales. And also, you know, you saw the ISM for November uh, go below 50, which indicates that the manufacturing economy in the United States is contracting. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, and then when you follow that data along, you know, we see information from, you know, LTL carriers like Old Dominion, you know, they, and along with some of their peers, provide uh, monthly uh, volume statistics. And, you know, their tonnage fell uh, just under 9% on about 7% fewer uh, shipments. Uh, and so, you know, you're seeing that weakness in the industrial economy. And we're also seeing that weakness in the industrial economy when it comes to rail traffic. You know, um, you know, rail traffic, you know, what we call commodity car loads, which pretty much is everything but intermodal, mm -hmm. it's pretty much flat this year. Um, and, you know, it's being driven by, um, you know, weaker forest products and metals, uh, which is being offset by, you know, stronger automotive markets. And as of late, you know, ag has, has come on, but still year to date, it's down about 4%. Uh, and then, you know, finally, you know, when we we'll pivot back to the retail, uh, uh, you know, the health of, of the consumer and the retailer, you know, as I was mentioning, you know, average households have more cash savings than they yeah. did prior to the pandemic. Uh, but the reality is, you know, people are getting a little concerned as more and more companies are announcing layoffs. Um, you know, we, you need to obviously save for a rainy day. Uh, and, and, and you're seeing that that information you know, kind of like, like I said, in, in some of the retail numbers uh, that have been coming out uh, as, as of late. Um, but, you know, next year is going to be, you know, we're, we're, we're really not focused on what, what was. We, we want to focus on what we expect will be. And obviously, you know, our crystal ball is uh, as foggy and as cracked as the next person. Sure. Uh, but, you know, we, we like to take a look at, um, you know, where we think things are going. And from our vantage point, you know, it looks like rail traffic is going to be mostly flat next year. Uh, you know, you have strong ag and automotive carloads, uh, which will be, you know, probably offset by, you know, slightly down intermodal. Um, intermodal is, it's an interesting beast. Um, you know, not only is it is it driven by retail and e-commerce, uh, but it's also, uh, you know, driven by, you know, what's going on in the spot market of trucking, uh, you know, and, and as, you know, many people have, have known or have noticed as of late, you know, the spot market is in a rebalancing period. Um, you know, there was a lot of demand for spot capacity, um, you know, six, eight months ago, and that demand demand has waned pretty considerably uh, because of, you know, these economic headwinds that we are talking about. Uh, and that's driving rates down considerably because, um, you know, there's just a, a big imbalance with with supply and demand. And, you know, we expect more more owner operators or small players that play in the spot market uh, to slowly leave the market. And, you know, we could see uh, that market look better probably the, the latter half of 2Q or early 3Q. Okay. Um, and so those pressures, you know, makes uh, moving something by truck maybe, you know, uh, you know, a little more attractive for a shipper because, you know, the costs are, um, you know, the, 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 the discount that rails provide from a, from a dollar standpoint is not as high because of where, you know, they can get it in the truckload spot market. Um, and, you know, intermodal is fantastic service, um, you know, uh, in, in terms of 
you know, you can, you can lower your carbon footprint, which is extremely important to a, a lot of shippers and it's becoming uh, increasingly more important as ESG standards become important to investors. And so if investors are, are looking at these environmental, uh, um, you know, benchmarks, they want to, the, the shippers want to make sure that, you know, th th they look good from an ESG standpoint and, you know, intermodal is a key way uh, for shippers to kind of lower, lower their overall carbon footprint. Um, but, you know, the rails ability to, to, to win more share from the, the trucking market over time has been hurt by their inability to properly resource their networks. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the rails dealt with what a lot of industries dealt with during the pandemic were, you know, labor shortages. You know, they furloughed, um, you know, a lot of their workers, their, their train and engine workers, they furloughed probably too many uh, when, the, when the slowdown happened because it happened pretty quickly. Uh, but but what happened even quicker was the rebound. And, you know, when they were calling back uh, their employees, you know, call it like, you know, in normal times, maybe 50 to 60 percent of the, the folks would, would come back uh, to work. You know, they were finding that was much lower and people were like, well, you know, that staying home is, is kind of nice because, you know, workers uh, that work on the rails, you know, it's 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 a difficult job. It's obviously yeah. outdoors. Uh, they're not home every night, you know, not every person that works on a railroad gets to go home every night, um, you know, and, and and they, you know, sometimes miss, you know, family events and, you know, with the pandemic, at least, you know, for me, like I got to have dinner with my family every night, which, uh, you know, which was really nice, I, you know, young kids. And so it's it's nice yeah. to, to, to do that and to have that flexibility. Um, and so you saw them kind of scrambling to find workers and they're kind of at the, I would say the late innings of properly resourcing their network um and you know and that is probably more emblematic of uh, the u.s based rails uh, more so than the canadian based rails yeah no th those are some great points to, to be sure lee and i do uh, speaking of the rails last week uh sort of a crisis averted if you will as it relates to uh the there was the impasse between the uh, united states freight rails and the 12 labor unions uh with the remaining unions uh kind of hanging holding out if you will we'll 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 table that for a minute because it is an interesting and timely topic but i did want to uh address peak season with you peak season uh, as we had traditionally viewed it was kind of the the build up to the holiday season, the traditional, the cargo coming in, most most freight being in by, say, August to United States ports. The pandemic obviously changed that. There was a working thesis for a while that it was peak season year round, especially due to the uh, demand driven e-commerce e push that we all saw when we were all out buying Pelotons and stuff for our homes and what have you. Um, so I guess that's sort of just a, a lead up to how do you how do you view peak season now in 2022? A lot of people seem to think that it, it was a really a non-event. And you can see a lot of uh supporting reasons as to why. I'm just wondering how you guys at Bloomberg uh, are are viewing uh what did or did not happen as it pertains to the 2022 peak season. Yeah, you know, heading into the peak season, you know, our expectations that, that it would be pretty muted. Uh it was probably even more muted than we probably originally thought. Um, you know, some of that has to do with some of the the the, the issues facing consumers today um, is, you know, people wanting to save more and, and spend less on on stuff because of uncertainty over their own uh, employment. Uh, and then yeah. also there is, you know, the obviously the, the switch that we've all 
you know, seen and, and probably experienced firsthand, you know, people are going back on vacation, going to movies. So instead of buying stuff, they're, do, they're doing things. Um, and, and so that that's a big contributor to it as well. And also, you know, retailers, at least not all retailers, but a lot of retailers had high inventory levels already. And so, you know, they were probably being more selective on what they were bringing on board um, um, in, in terms of uh, additional products, um, you know, outside of the obviously the, the, the truly seasonal stuff. Um, and, and so, you know, that had an impact as well. And then, you know, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that, you know, the comparisons are pretty darn tough because last year was uh, was a pretty good, uh, pretty good year uh, for the holidays. Absolutely. Uh, and taking that just a step further, do, do you think that the return, Lee, to a more traditional return to the services based economy? I mean, that certainly has had a meaningful impact on on freight movements as we're all back out in the world going to baseball games going to the movies going on vacations traveling etc you know that that takes away from those disposable dollars that had been allocated you know to what we saw early on in the pandemic buying physical goods uh buying exercise equipment buying stuff for your back deck etc um are we are we sort of Added, I don't want to say an inflection point, but that's sort of, I mean, everyone was inside for so long. There was obviously a fair amount of pent up demand uh, that would appear to be a more traditional trajectory. And that's where we are now. Right. I mean, so do you think the markets have adjusted accordingly, given the adjustment back from uh, a goods to a services based shift? Yeah. So, you know, what I would say you know, the, the markets, and I'm assuming you're talking about the freight markets. Yeah, and, yes, I should have been more clear. Exactly. Yes. You know, so, some have, some are ongoing, and some it really doesn't matter. So when I say ongoing, so, you know, you hear about FedEx, you know, um, you know, canceling flights. And, yeah. You know, some of that has to do with um, the limited amount of stuff coming out of China and, 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 and Asia in general. Uh, you know, the, the China stuff is, is obviously you know, due to those prolonged lockdowns that we've been hearing about. You know, they've been lifting some of the restrictions as of late, but at the yeah. end of the day, the, their economy is extremely constrained because of, uh, you know, the policies that they still have in place. And so, you know, so the air freight world is, you know, actively adjusting their network. Um, the, you know, we mentioned earlier the spot trucking market. We're see, you know, we're seeing that that shift, uh, you know, uh, you know, week in and week out. You know, when you when you're talking to the large publicly traded trucking companies that we cover here at Bloomberg Intelligence, you know, they're they're not, um, you know, they're not making a capacity switch because when they grow, unless we're talking about their dedicated truckload businesses. Uh huh. They're over the road businesses. They're really not looking to grow them like very fast. You know, they might like add a, a little capacity here and there. You know, when they're looking to grow those businesses, they're do, looking to do it in a more asset light manner. And so they would rather either work with owner operators or, you know, fill that demand through their, you know, freight brokerage units, which, you know, a lot of these large publicly traded companies like. You know the JB Hunts, the Warners, the the Knight Swifts of the world. You know they have these uh, multi pronged businesses uh, that can you know that can easily um, you know their capacity can easily um, change with with demand because of that you know shift towards a more asset light model. 
I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, they're over the road trucking fleets, very asset based. Uh, they have trucking, they have trucks, they have people, um, you know, but, you know, when you're looking to grow, it really makes a, a lot of sense, especially given that, you know, the trucking cycles are getting, um, they, they seem to be getting uh, more, more volatile and shorter, um, you know, where trucking cycles used to last, uh, you know, five years, they seem to last, you know, 18 uh, to 24 months now. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, it just doesn't make sense for a trucking company to buy a thousand new trucks for, you know, the upswing because in 24 months, you know, they may not be able to seat those trucks uh, because there's no demand for them. Yeah, no, no question about it. Um, you know, let's, let's jump back to uh, the recently uh, crisis averted, if you will, uh, on the rails, Lee. Uh, I can't remember. Um, uh, well, uh, aside from, I guess, <laughs> the pandemic, if you will, but I can't remember a more supply chain oriented theme get, getting as much national uh, attention, uh, mainstream media attention, if you will, than this, uh, than this recent situation. And, and, it, and it was, uh, it definitely had everyone's eye and, and ear, if you will. Um, I guess the outcome that we got, you know, is, is what people were looking for. Although there had been indications that if a strike were to occur, it would have been for a fairly short duration. Uh, I, I heard uh, people say that it could have been maybe a few hours or even just a day or two. Duration aside, it, it, it raised the antenna of a lot of people and brought about a lot of concern. How do you sort of view what what happened and sort of what happens now um you know obviously a deal's in place that's a good thing but uh it de it definitely uh leads us to some overall concerns especially coupled with some st still some uh some service issues uh, uh service challenges on the rails still ongoing yeah so you know labor is obviously an important part uh for uh the railroads and you know having good relationships with their uh you know unions is important um you know it seems that like during this negotiation um you know the unions were in a position of power uh just given you know the the, the resource issues you know we talked about earlier in terms of you know the rail still trying to find enough people to work uh, you know, and they, and they got a, uh, you know, um, in terms of a, from a financial standpoint, um, they got a, a pretty good uh, contract, you know, it was five years, which included around a 24% raise and, and, yes. some, and some one-time bonuses um, where, where they didn't, you know, uh, reach an agreement on um, was, you know, on, on sick leave and, and how sick time works because, you know, a, a worker, you know, if, they have to take a, a sick day, uh, you know, go to a doctor or something like that. Sometimes they get penalized if they do it last minute, um, you know, and it's just it's just a way for the railroads to kind of, I guess, resource the network for that day. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think a couple of things might come of this. You know, I think that, you know, the rails will tell you that, you know, they don't want to do it from this national contract. This is just something that's usually uh, negotiated on the local level. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think we're obviously going to see that negotiated on the local level. Um, and I also think that, you know, railroads, at least the ones that are going to probably be better at providing service, are probably going to end up running a little fatter than they have in the past. You know, I think that the, the, the IOPIC or myopic, sorry, the myopic focus on an operating ratio 
it is gone. If, if, if it isn't, it should be gone. Um, and, you know, more and more rails should be focusing on, on, you know, profits are important because they have shareholders, um, you know, to contend with, but profitable growth versus just getting that operating ratio down as, as close to 50 as you possibly can. Um, and, and some of those, you know, like when I say fatter, I'm not saying that, you know, they're going to have more corporate jets. I'm talking about maybe they're just going to have to, you know, have more people available to work uh, yeah. for those people's time. And I think that's what's going to come of this. You know, obviously, the rail industry is extremely important, uh, not only, um, you know, for the U.S. economy, it's important for the global economy. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's how people get goods, it's how people get food, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the trade group uh, AAR, you know, put it at $2 billion a day that if they struck, that's what it would cost the economy, you know, maybe give that a haircut to, you know, one to 1.5 billion, but, you know, it's sure. still, it's still, still, you know, a lot more than I make, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, no, it's, and it, it's still pretty consider pretty you know pretty significant uh, no matter how you you look at it um, you know it, it's good that the uh, you know a strike was averted but I think there's more work to be done between you know the unions and and the rail operators uh, to come to a place where you know it's 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 fair for both sides and you know I, yeah. I as as someone who works at an ivory tower um, and and you know um, you know, I can see both sides, their, their view on, on this, mm -hmm. but you know, I really think that, you know, they can come together versus having something, you know, forced to the rail, uh, to the rails. You know, the, the, the agreement that they did have was actually more favorable for the unions than, you know, uh, the rails probably wanted in terms of how much they were, you know, uh, uh, increasing um, the, the their pay and, and, and yeah. And their bonuses. So, you know, I think there's just more to come on this. Um, but, you know, obviously, it did impact some freight, you know, some freight was probably diverted to 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 other modes, you had hazardous material that probably couldn't be taken on by the rails, because, uh, because of the, the regulations around hazardous materials. And so, you know, now that the, the, the strike was averted, um, I guess that was last week. Um, you know, you're just seeing, you know, more normalized freight flows, which which is good, uh, not only for the the rails, uh, but it's also good for the U.S. economy, which right. is, you know, like I was saying earlier, is really at a point and it's extremely fragile. And you know, any recession, you know, it will probably be short and um, shallow, uh, which you know we can call a Lee Glasgow recession. Um, yeah. And and um, you know if 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 a strike happened, you know it would probably you know have an impact of possibly creating a longer duration for a recession and, and a deeper recession. Yeah, no, no question. And I, I I know the recession talk is obviously prevalent uh, in uh, both supply chain and in uh, in uh, uh, mainstream e economic circles, to be sure. Um, it, at least it, it's got to be at least somewhat encouraging that while everyone is of the school thought that a recession is likely to happen at some point, at least there are some signs, Lee, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there are some at least some inklings that inflation is trending down somewhat as are diesel prices, especially in recent weeks. So, I mean, I, I guess you sort of just have to take uh, 
take the tailwinds here as it relates to that stuff when you can. Are you seeing that in a in material way at all within the market you cover? Are you hearing anything from the publicly traded companies on those fronts? Um, you know, the, the reality is when, when it comes to inflation, they're all facing inflationary pressures and, you know, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to talk about, oh, you know, inflation is, uh, you know, maybe it peaked a couple of months ago in terms of the year over year increase. Uh, and that year over year increase has been moderating over the last couple of months. You know, they're just seeing higher costs, you know, they're seeing higher costs for equipment. Uh, they're seeing relatively high costs. Um, you know, for fuel, even though per your, you know, to your point, you know, diesel prices have have uh, have gone down uh, pretty nicely uh, yeah. over the last couple of weeks, um, and and so you know that's that's obviously a, a, a good thing, um, you know, especially for for the trucking industry, um, you know, but like there's still, you know, when you when you talk about, you know, when we're talking to to our uh, you know friends uh, on the trucking side. You know they're still having problems getting um, new trucks. Um, you know the OEMs are, are 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 kind of dealing with supply chain constraints and a backlog. Um, and trucking companies tend to like to refresh their trucks pretty often. You know they like to have a younger fleet under three years, at least the large carriers do, because uh, anything over three years, the maintenance costs tend to be higher. Uh, and then also you know your reliability goes down. Uh, and then, you know, um, not only does your reliability go down, but but also, um, you know, it's, it's it's a good way to attract drivers and keep drivers that are able to drive like, you know, the the, uh, the newest kind of trucks that, that are out there. Um, and, you know, and so, you know, we're hearing, you know, whether it's trailers or trucks, they're all having, you know, issues getting them and they're all more expensive than they once were. And, you know, if we're going to stick on trucking, they're also dealing with higher insurance costs, uh, higher labor costs. Um, so, you know, I think inflation is here for a while. Um, yeah. Hopefully what the Fed is doing, you know, will tamp it down to a more manageable number. Um, you know, but, you know, I think that the uh, world of, you know, zero to two percent inflation is probably, you know, we're probably not going to see that for a very long time. Where you know maybe you know inflation around three or four, uh, you know might be the the new norm. You know once we come off these, you know um, the current cycle that we're, we're currently yeah. in. That was certainly that was certainly beat seven or eight. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> to be sure. All right. Well, listen, Lee, this has been great. Uh, this brings us to the end of our our lot of time for today's podcast recording. Uh, on behalf of Logistics Management Magazine and uh, the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group, I just want to offer up a big thanks for joining us today, spending some time with us. My pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me, Jeff. Yeah, no problem. And um, for those of you in the audience that are on Twitter, please go ahead and give Lee a follow. It's simply at Logistics Lee. Lee also has a very uh, a good presence on LinkedIn as well. So look for him over there as well and the, spell his last name uh k-l-a-s-k-o-w uh for those were, that uh, were not sure and uh also please feel free to give us a follow on twitter logistics management that is simply at logistics mgmt and for those of you that uh are not subscribing to the podcast but would like to just uh please go ahead and look for supply chain 24 7 wherever you get your podcast and uh it will pop right up so uh, thanks, everybody. Have a great day, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks again.